The Lord is not asleep today. He doesn't sleep or slumber. His eye is upon the sparrow. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows all about us, in spite of us. He says, I will, I will use you. If you'll trust me, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you wait on me, I, I will renew your strength. So often in our busy lives, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. We want things better right now. We want things to change right now. We want. God is on his own time schedule. He's the only one that can fix things, make things what they ought to be. He gave his life for all people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He gave his life in every situa- for every situation. And his blood was shed, be- which is more than enough to make us what we ought to be through him. So today we're continuing on in the book of Ephesians. It's really a letter that Paul wrote from prison that is encouraging the, the church encouraging the people of God in Ephesus. And he writes his first chapter about the love that God has. He lavished upon us. He gets into the second chapter. He talks about the grace of God that saves us. And I like to think that same grace that saved you and I is the same grace that will keep you and I in the right path as we continue to surrender over and over again to him. That grace that saved, that grace that keeps us, and God is not, he doesn't have a small heart, he has a big heart. God has a big heart for his people. God has great plans for you and I. God has something for us that beyond our understanding And so now by the time we get to the last half of the second chapter, we're beginning to read these verses. Therefore, verse 11, we had just read the verses about by grace you've been saved, it is the gift of God. Whenever you read a therefore in Scripture, we need to, well, what what was he talking about? He was talking about the grace of God. So therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are, are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were formerly, you who were formerly, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That, those verses that, that I just read begin to reflect upon people outside of Israel, which every other tongue nation is Gentile. 
And so the grace of God went further than we would have ever imagined. And Paul will get into what he speaks as the mystery. In the Old Testament, it was unheard of that anyone outside of the Jewish nation would ever be accepted by God. But that all changed through Jesus Christ because of the cross, because of the new covenant. We now become included. We become one with all people, of all people, all the tribe, tongue, and nation. He is brought near, verse 13, brought near by the blood of Christ. I want us to understand, I'll be encouraged, that Jesus' blood is more than enough for our salvation. It goes past our faults. It goes past our insecurities. It goes past our emotions. You see, when we don't even feel saved, his blood was shed. It's more than enough. And there is absolute nothing else that can take the place for our salvation than the blood of Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, when we see this this uh, imagery or this, this symbolic symbolism that were in the Old Testament. They were being exited out of Egypt just before Pharaoh letting them go. He had all, all these plagues that had happened uh, over and over again to, to loosen Pharaoh's heart. Finally, the last plague came down to the plague of death. But God says the motive that the people of God apply the blood of, of, upon the doorposts of their homes, upon the lentils, upon the upon their pieces of, of, of entrances of t- into their home, and that was through the blood, that death angel would see the blood and he would pass over. And so exactly what happens when God, when we accept Jesus Christ, when God looks at us, he, he sees you're one of them, one of his because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And it's the blood of Jesus, not, not the blood of calves and goats in the Old Testament, cover, they, they merely were a covering for the sins. The blood of Jesus removes our sins. And so we are able to be set free from all guilt, from all shame, and we can be healed from our past sins. I like how Paul describes that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses earlier in this chapter. We were dead. We were uncaring. We were unawakened. We were not concerned about our neighbor. We were not concerned about, we were kind of in it for ourselves, whatever we could get out of this life. But God, but God being rich. God is a rich God. He is a rich, he's rich because he, he's died for us. He's rich because he wants us to live with him forever. And I don't care whatever circumstances you've come out of, God's grace and the blood of Jesus is enough to restore brokenness. God is in the business of restoration. God is in his, that's his, that's where he shines. That's where he wants to go. He wants to take something that's broken and a throwaway or a throwback and say, now I'll take that. I'll make something good. Especially if there's a surrendered heart. Sometimes we got to hit bottom to look up. Sometimes we got to hit bottom to look up. Life is not without trials. Life wouldn't be life, would it, as we know of it, without trials. Life would not be as it is here. In this life, you will have trouble, but Jesus said, I have overcome. 
being brought near through the blood of Jesus. You've accepted, you, you, are, you are in when you accept Jesus. When you admit, when we admit, when you and I admit our need for him, he shows up. When we say, I can, he said, oh, good, I will. When we say, it's beyond me, it's in your hands, that's what he wants. There was this barrier. Verse 14, it describes it with this barrier. It was like a wall. There was like a line you, you and I couldn't cross. Only the people, the chosen people could cross. But verse 14 said, he himself is our peace who made both groups, being Jew and Gentile, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. I want to say this, I believe God is in the breaking down the barriers in people's lives. God wants to break through the circumstances, break through that which is impossible with man, but possible with God. We must believe that he is, as the writer of Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please him. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is always rewarding those who will, who will chase after, who will seek him. Over and over through scripture, we find that we are called by God to seek first his kingdom, to seek God and seek him with all our heart, to seek him with that which is all that was within us. James says that if he, we will draw near to, to God, he will draw near to you. Have you tried that lately? If you draw near to God, if you just simply be blatantly honest, Brutally honest before God. Don't be surprised when the presence of the Lord shows up and you'll feel, you'll feel this peace. You may not have the answer, but you'll have the peace. Money cannot buy the peace. Money cannot buy the peace. It is well with my soul. What is it that makes it well with our soul? It is our relationship. Are we square with God? Are we walking with God? Are we listening? Are we tuning in to his sweet voice? Are we reading his word? Are we taking it in? And let me encourage you. This letter, Ephesians, is a letter written to the believer, written to the church people, written to not just church people, but followers of Jesus, people who have decided this, this, is, this is the life I'm going to choose. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter where he leads me. I cannot do it in my own self. And so the scripture speaks about this wonderful truth that we are brought near by the blood of Christ. Try this sometime in your prayer life. I grew up uh, having heard it prayed, I, I suppose. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over the circumstance and situation. What does that mean? Lord, I'm coming because of the blood that you shed, and I'm applying the blood to the circumstances. The devil can't stand to, to be reminded of the blood of Jesus. That's where the devil was defeated. The cross brought a blow to Satan's head. The scripture in the, 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 the Genesis speaks about that there'll be uh, like a serpent that will bite his heel. The, the cross, in, in a sense, 
was like a serpent biting the heel of Christ. But Jesus' death and resurrection brought a blow to the head of Satan. Now Satan is in dominion. He can only go so far. We have the blood of Jesus applied to our hearts. We are protected by him. I believe that we need to pray that over our family. Pray it over our children. Pray it over our grandkids. Pray it over our circumstances. Pray it over when we're traveling, that we are the people of God. Now we're going to get into this bit of an imagery that Paul describes as something that God is building. How do you know that God is a builder? What did Jesus mean when he said, I will build my church? What did he mean? That Jesus, in essence, in all reality, is the builder. He is the one who builds the church. The church are the people, not the building. This is the tool. What we're sitting in is tools. But we are the church through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, hell can't be enough. It's not enough to stop the hand of the Lord Jesus in building his church. And now we look, we see the imagery. We look at Ephesians 2, verse uh, 18 through down to 22. Let me read. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together and grow, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Can you get a picture in your mind? If I had some kind of a stone or several stones I could show you, I actually thought about what would be difficult to find. We have stones, we have bearing uh, retaining walls made out of real stone here and around the building. But it would be interesting to show you just how, how that stone, that cornerstone, had to be just the right kind of stone to make things work. I want you to think about that cornerstone would align the rest of the building. The cornerstone would be that which you would pull a string off and measure off from corner to corner to square in your building. And I want you to think about this. That cornerstone will also bear the weight. That foundation, which is Jesus, will bear the weight and how far we can build. In other words, Jesus is the foundation for the church. Also, he's the head of the church. He, his, mention, his mentioning these things here is to help us understand that God is putting together this magnificent building. God is in a building program. I want you to think of yourselves as a part of it. Where he places you is up to him. What's most important is that we are surrendered to whatever you want, Lord. Help me to serve you wherever you place me. Help me to be that which I ought to be wherever you place me. If it's, in a, if it's, a, if it's a hard assignment, Lord, help me to be faithful. If you open the door or you shut the door, I'm going to believe God and you're going to use me. What a way to live. And your life is not just for yourself. 
that you're living not just for yourself alone or just to get through this life, but you're actually living with, with a purpose. I want you to think about this cornerstone. This cornerstone is more than enough to carry your burden. This cornerstone is more than enough to carry the weight of the cares of this world. This cornerstone is more than enough. You can build higher and higher and higher and higher with him. You see, the foundation is probably the most important part of the building. But it, the depth of the footing and the width determines how high you can go with the building. So the more we understand Jesus Christ is that cornerstone, is that cornerstone in which we align our lives. And we, we're, in essence, we're looking at the cornerstone. We're finding reference. When we get off track, we go back to the basic foundation. See, Jesus Christ never changes, and he's the, still the only way to salvation. I cannot replace the cornerstone. If I try to go a different route, I will fail. I will not make it. I cannot save myself. Only Jesus can, Jesus can save me. Now, I, I get excited about, I read the verses in Corinthians that talk about all these different, the idea of the body, the, the ear, the nose, the eyes. I like all my members. If one of my members hurts, your whole body hurts. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever stubbed your toe lately? What's the reaction? Maybe you jump around. Maybe you ee and ooh and ah. What's happening is your whole body is crying out and giving attention. Isn't it interesting that in the body of Christ, that when we know there's a need, it's very beautiful to see how the body responds and begins to help show up or bury. That's the, way, that's the way we ought to live, that we ought to be sensitive to one another, the body of Christ. And so this whole, this whole building, this whole temple, as Jesus said, as much as you've done it unto the least of the, of the brethren, you've done it unto me. He was talking about people that were struggling, people that were in and out, people that were down in the dumps, people that were, couldn't help themselves, people that were, were, were slavery. And Jesus comes to set those free. You see these verses. Help me to understand that God comes down to where we are at. And so as we move into this Christmas whole idea of celebrating our Lord coming into this earth, coming into mankind, it's really a miracle. It's really about the whole idea that Jesus came to do what you and I could not do. That Jesus, still the greatest missionary that ever lived, that in order to be a good missionary, they tell me that I need to eat their food and learn their language and walk the paths they walk to understand the culture. If I'm going to reach someone that's not like me, 
for the Lord. If I'm going to earn their respect, if I'm going to earn the right to be heard, and that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I as he come down out of heaven and allowed himself to be born into humanity, taking on flesh, God taking on flesh, and then beginning his ministry in, in his, his, his youth at, his, at about 30, his public ministry. We don't know exactly all the things that happened. And t- we know that he was in the community. We know that he probably worked with his father in, as a carpenter. Some of us understand carpentry, but most likely had, he had learned how to lay stone because carpenters were considered in that region there wasn't much wood. He probably learned how to lay stone. You see where I'm going with this? It's the hands-on. It's the hands-on approach of our God. He didn't tell us how to live. He showed us how to live. I would rather learn from someone that has walked the walk and knows what the feel is, knows what it feels like to be rejected, knows what it feels like to be, you know, not appreciated. He knows what it feels like in his hometown. He wasn't very appreciated. And he began to, to just minister as he knew. And as the Son of God, he came out of heaven down to our world. And so we have this wonderful Lord that we serve. And I want to talk about that a little bit about this building. I want to talk about this process because sometimes we get impatient. Sometimes I get impatient. Lord, I want to be like this now. I want to be, right? I want things to be like this now. I want to be strong in the Lord now. Oh, Lord, make me strong in you. Well, wait a minute. What does that take? It takes exercise. It takes discipline. It takes ups and downs. Well, we can begin to dig in. The more we dig into the Lord, the stronger we get. And so Paul is describing this temple, this body, this building is a place that is a dwelling that built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. This is something you cannot do in flesh and blood. It's the spirit of God that builds the church. It's the spirit of God that is out working throughout our community. It's the spirit of God. Have you ever talk, been talking to someone and you get a sense that the spirit of God is working in a situation and you've been led to be an encouragement The Lord is always, he's never at rest. I mean, he rests, but he's always at work. He's always working in people's hearts. He's speaking to them. He's trying to get them to understand who he is. And that's where you and I come in to play, to be the salt and the light. Wow. Why would God choose you and I? Right? Why would God choose you, choose you and I? Sometimes we, we struggle. I think if it's, it's as human, human as we are, if we care to admit, why would God use me? You would begin to think, why would God use me? What do I have to offer? 
I want to encourage you. It's not what you and I can do for Christ. But it's what Christ can do through you and I. It's not what I can do in my own strength. But when I surrender and I say, Lord, this is your work. These are your people. This is your community. This is your church. This is your, these are your people. This is your family. This is, we could go on and on. It's into your hands. Then now we're transfer, transferring the weight of having to perform. We're transferring that weight onto the Lord. He's the one who's going to do it through you. You become his hands. You become his feet. You become his mouthpiece. It makes sense. When Miss Lord came to the end of his ministry on this earth, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I think he really was feeling the weight of the sin of the world and the crucifixion that was going to take place. It was there that he asked his disciples to pray. It was there that he, a couple of times he kept going back to decide, oh, are you still sleeping? A sad situation, sad picture. But may we never be found just sleeping or slumbering spiritually. For Jesus is coming back for a church who is looking for him, who is alive, who's reaching out. That's why missions are so beneficial. That's why giving is so essential. It helps get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on something else. Someone else's need. And so we see the church. We're called by God to be in the middle, in the setting, in this world, on this earth. At this time, we are known as a church age. But may we never get confused with being churchy and taking the place of having a heart after God. May we never just get into this routine, well, I've gone to church, I guess I've done my thing for the week. That's not what it's all about. It's tomorrow morning. And on into the next, in the middle of the week. And how I'm living then, how am I walking then? That's what God wants. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for a heart whom he can fill. He wants to use. He wants to use you. You see, sometimes... We don't always feel like this is spiritual. What's so spiritual about washing the dishes? Doesn't seem very spiritual to me. But let me look at let me look at this differently. Listen. If I'm doing it with a good attitude, with a thankful heart. And say, thank you, Jesus, I have dishes to wash. I have food to eat. 
It changes things up. Doesn't seem very spiritual. Listen, the most spiritual thing sometimes you can do is serve. Basically, if it means to take out the trash. It's a servant's job. Exactly what Jesus taught us. In the kingdom above, the greatest of them are the servants. There will be a reward. I believe, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven because there's going to be reward for things. Why? Well, I, you know, I could have done that, but, you know. Why don't we just love serving? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what he still does. He's continually coming to us, serving us, seeking after us, wanting us to realize that he is the answer to our unrest. He is the answer to our questions. He is the, actually the foundation that holds us up when we cannot hold up ourselves. He is the foundation. You know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is to rest. And you know what? Take, take a few moments and later. You know what, God? I'm just going to wait in your presence. I'm just going to begin to thank you for who you are. I'm just going to begin to thank you for all the blessings. I'm just, oh, Lord, remind me again to be a child. Remind me again what it's like to be dependent upon you. To remind me again that trust, that simple trust that whatever you said, whatever you have, have for me, that it will come to pass. And he brings us near. You see, there's not a building large enough in our world, the house, the presence of God. It's not a building big enough. But the Bible describes that one day that we're going to be in a place that's going to blow us away. And we're going to see him as he is. But we're going to be changed because we're going to be like him in a sense. We're going to have an eternal body. Guess what? These bodies are temporal. How many are wearing your body? I mean, it's literally, you have, you have pains and stuff where you've never, never had pain before. Right? There's something to be said. When we get to the end of our life, I'd rather be used up because I gave it all. I'm going to cross that finish line if I have to crawl. That's the determination. You see, all those who've gone before us, Hebrews 12, whether they can see us or not, some believe they can, some believe they can, I don't know. doesn't matter. We read about it. They're the church. They're part of the church. We are part of them. We are just 
on this side of heaven. No one was ever passed on and in heaven wants to come back to this place. That's the God who makes it worth it. Whatever you have to face in this life, this foundation is strong enough. The cornerstone is burying you. It's holding you together. The next chapter we get into this imagery about the joints, the ligaments, the body, the imagery, all the stuff that makes us work. Our bodies are psalmists that are wonderfully made. The body can heal itself. That's God. The God can restore. He, he, he does it. He's made us for that. But sometimes we need a little extra help. So I'll pray. And we're going to sing our last song. I'll pray first. And I'm going to pray this way. Lord Jesus, we are surrendered to you, our bodies, our bodies. And the most important part is our heart, our spiritual heart, our spiritual man, our spiritual being. Lord, be in our hearts, be in our, be in our beings. Infuse us, dwell within us. We choose you. And Lord, there's a benefit, as the psalmist said, there's a benefit. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, who heals me from all my diseases. Lord, I pray a blessing on physical bodies, blessing, healings. I pray in Jesus' name there will be healings to joints, specifically joints. Or, Lord, other areas of our bodies, we praise you. You're in control. Help us to rest. Help us to have the right pace. Help us to do that which is important. And taking care of what you've given us. But, Lord, we will... We will, with your help, finish the course. And so we surrender in Jesus' name. Amen.